0: This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. One week from today, we should know the results of the election here in Rhode Island and across the country, hopefully, right? In terms of these hotly contested Senate and congressional races, one of which is taking place right here in Rhode Island. That's the CD2 race between Democrat Seth Magaziner and Republican Alan Fung. And look, I have a buddy who works for one of the major cable outlets who who wrote me and he was like, do you really think that Alan Fung has a chance to win this thing and and send a Republican to Congress from Rhode Island for the first time since, you know, the late 80s, early 90s? And I was like, hey, look, the the, the most recent poll, the most recent public poll, has these two tied at 48% each. Now, that poll didn't include Bill Gilbert, the third-party candidate, the moderate, whose poll this high is around 5%, but my instinct is that Gilbert is going to pull protest votes from both magazine or and Fung in pretty much an equal fashion but look at the end of the day this is a very very viable race for both candidates and you know my question to you here is we're now less than a week away from election day is if you are an undecided voter is there anything out there that you're looking for in the closing stretch that's going to help move the needle one way or another for you and you can send me an email bill at com, if you have any specific thoughts about that and we'll read them on air later this week or early next week as we uh, get ready for our election coverage. You know, but that is just, that is going to be a really, really fascinating race to watch. Um, you know, obviously, Alan Fong, who has done a pretty good job of trying to paint himself as, you know, the everyman, he's out there, the superhero in khakis, guzzling coffee syrup, whatever the case may be. You know, he's trying to paint uh, Seth Magazine or some kind of elitist, this, that, and the other. But, you know, there's a major issue at stake here, and that is Social Security, that regardless of where Alan Fung, you know, stands himself, if he's elected to Congress and votes for Speaker McCarthy or votes for Kevin McCarthy to become Speaker, you know, McCarthy's literally written a book on cutting Social Security. So no matter what Alan Fung says, you know, he's going to be in a in in a um, you know a quagmire, so to speak, as he's in the quicksand on this one and. and you know, I think Seth Magaziner and his campaign is, is zeroing in on this appropriately so. You know, you talk about abortion, you talk about cost of living um, in a practical sense, whether it's gas prices, food prices, whatever the issues of the day are. You, know, you can talk about guns, you can talk about anything like that. At the end of the day, those types of wedge issues um, may very well not be front and center when the undecided voter goes to the polls either in early voting or next Tuesday and makes their decision. And that social security question Maybe front and center. Now look, Alan Fung gets in, votes for Speaker McCarthy. You know, Alan Fung doesn't get in, doesn't vote for Speaker McCarthy because it's Seth magazine there. Is Seth magazine is in there? You know, d- does that is that uh, is this CD two race going to swing the balance of power specifically? You know, in Washington D.C. inside of uh, uh, the the House of Representatives. Well, it's not. I mean, it's not like this is a you know scenario where we have a tie. Um, you know, an absolutely split. Congress that, uh, you know, there's some kind of special election taking place in Rhode Island that's going to decide the balance of power. But it's a contribution. And I think it's something that I'm hearing from a lot of people, especially more informed voters um, like you guys, that this is a major, major issue. And it's one that I I think is going to play out significantly. And even though Fung in some of the media outlet polls has been uh, more dominant in terms of results, I think that the, as we move towards Election Day, that Social Security issue, they, they need to figure out a way, they being the Fung operation, to to really package this uh in a way that, that that can convince people that, hey, look, just because you vote Alan Fung doesn't mean that anything is going to be any different in terms of Social Security. You know, Alan Fung gets in there, you know, or Seth Magazine, or we still may have a Speaker McCarthy, and there still may be a scenario in which, you know, you have a a, a cut to Social Security proposed. And a Fung campaign, you know, they may argue, hey, look, you want somebody inside the room, inside the caucus that has a different perspective that may be able to argue on behalf of of the people when it comes to preserving social security. So there's a lot of different ways to look at this. We haven't heard it from the phone campaign at least played out like that, and I'm surprised that we haven't, and I wonder if in the closing stretch that's something that they're going to look to. Um, I'd invite you all to check out the debates that I moderated for WPRO. You can find them at 99.7wpro.com. Just click on the Election Central tab or just go to my Twitter, at Bill Bartholomew, and you'll find um, I I made a thread of the different debates. Now, that includes the CD2 race that we did last Friday that I moderated, Governor, which we did on Monday, uh, those are each hour uninterrupted debates, and then 30-minute debates in the Lieutenant Governor and the, uh, the Treasurer race, so you can find those there. So... You know, what's what's it going to look like here in the home stretch? What is going to move the needle? Now, we see this this piece that came out in the Boston Globe today. Brian Amaral uh, published this. It actually came out last night, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Ashley Kalis at the center of a dispute with an Illinois contractor. And the headline is 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 that. It goes on to say the contractor says Kalis ridiculed and threatened him amid a billing dispute four years ago. The Kalis campaign says that the disparaging remarks... Uh, were a sign that she is a fighter who stood up for herself. You know, so I've heard, you know, on talk radio and I've been watching on Twitter. And again, that's just a minor, minor portion of the overall voting population. But some people are saying, hey, look, we're encouraged by these messages, which are pretty aggressive and crude at minimum. And by the way, Kalis doesn't deny them. Shiva was on the radio this morning, you know, kind of doubling down on this notion that, hey, these text messages, as crude as they are, they were an instance where she was trying to protect her family and her business and so on and so forth. I've heard, I've heard people making the argument, that, hey, look, this strengthens my support for Ashley Kalis. Uh, you know, th- these are uh, signs that she's going to go into the state house and, and she's going to stand up to whatever um, uh, corruption exists there, imagined or perhaps realistic. I don't know, but you know these these text messages. To me, I look at them and I'm like, you know, hey, I, you know, I, I don't. I wouldn't. I can't think of an instance where most of this stuff now I, I've ever said or anybody that I'm around, you know, in, in different sectors. I, I don't know that many people who, uh, you know, use this kind of stuff or flaunt their social status or any of the other things that are alleged in this particular uh, batch of, um, whether it's opposition research that was handed to the globe or whether Amaral himself dug it up through his own reporting. And it, either way, it doesn't even matter at this point because it's out there and it's a situation. But boy, you know, the, the Kayla's campaign, what they're saying is that, hey, look, we're, we're, we're not going to lay down and die over anything like this and we don't really care about the fact that some of the messages that were sent in this story uh, not in the story that are that are reported in this story that Kayla sent four years ago to a contractor on a project she was involved in uh, reflect negatively in the minds of, of, of some of the voting population because our audience the people who we're trying to court anyway as supporters uh, they want this they want somebody to go in there and 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 uh, they don't care about crude language and, and again it's not about using the F word I mean I'm sure every single elected official, uh, you know, uses that word daily or something like that. I don't know. You know, it's not. That's not the issue. It's just the tone and tenor of some of the comments here that, that are really vile and. Um you know, uh, and just, just like I said, I can't imagine saying some of these things to anybody in any dispute that I've been in, um, not to say that I wouldn't get aggressive at, at, the, at the right moment, but it, it is surprising. You know, the, the, the debate was interesting that took place on Monday on WPRO because, look, some people are saying it was a rehash of a lot of issues that already had been fleshed out. I'm saying that it was a chance where, especially when you take the cameras away like we had on, have on radio, you know, you hear a back and forth on, you know, and, and you can decide for yourself, Who's got substance? Who's got substance? And I think that's what it comes down to. You know, Uh, you can talk, you can talk, you can talk, you can paint yourself as however you want, but who's got the, the, the political capital who's got the relationships, and who's got the uh, the ideas to move the state forward in a meaningful way. And I think that's what this race is going to come down to for the informed voter. For the uninformed voter, which is a large chunk of those who will turn up at the polls on Tuesday, uh, you know, hey, I don't know if this story, this Globe story, and similar stories like it reported by other outlets, the Providence Journal and WPRI namely, um, will be a positive or a negative for Ashley Kalis. I mean, that's the world we live in, folks, and it's kind of hard to believe that, that uh, someone could could take remarks that are crude and and um, you know just just kind of what I th- I thought beneath her, but uh, you know again some people I don't know how many people but some people including the Kayless campaign are saying hey look this is emblematic of her as a fighter. McKee, McKee's team put out a statement that uh, you know they ripped her they they call her unfit for office. Governor McKee's uh, campaign statement on the vile messages sent by Ashley Kalis. The Boston Globe reports classist, homophobic text messages sent to a contractor. Today, Governor McKee, his campaign, released this statement. Ashley Kalis' violent, erratic conduct is an embarrassment to the state of Rhode Island. If this is how Ashley Kalis Thinks people should conduct themselves. It's understandable that everywhere she goes, she's followed by police reports, fraud, lawsuits, and fines. It's a born that Miss Kalis proudly stands by this homophobic, classist, and sexist rhetoric. Rhode Islanders expect their governor to bring people together, and Ashley Kalis' style is to tear people down. Ashley Kalis knows no floor and goes to greater and greater lengths to disqualify herself every day. That's Brexton Isaacs, the campaign manager for Governor McKee. So, you know, look, how does this play out? First of all, how many people actually find out about this and, and do they care? That's the question. And if they do care, do they care in, a, in the sense that they look at Ashley Kalis and they say, hey, geez, now. I was thinking about voting for her, but, you know, her conduct seems to be uh, unbecoming of someone who wants to be governor. Or do they look at it and say, hey, you know, just like Donald Trump, the crude remarks, the this, that, and the other, it doesn't mean anything to me. I like her, and I like her policies, and I like what she's going to do to quote-unquote clean, clean up the state house, drain the swamp, however you want to put position it. Uh, the, so I don't know. Is this a boon, or is this something that's going to, uh, uh, you know, sink the campaign? I don't know. What do you think? Bill at ripodcast.com, Twitter at Bill Bartholomew, if you have a thought on that. I, I really don't know. I really don't know, because I think that there's some people who love this kind of stuff. And they look at it and they say, oh, geez, you know, that, that that's exactly what I'm looking for in a governor, you know, somebody who, uh, you know, has uh, isn't afraid to speak their mind. So I have no idea how this is going to play out. It's going to be interesting. You know, and that's where that race, unlike the Congress race, which is going to come down to, I think, one very specific policy. I think the governor's race is going to come down to one very specific uh, perspective. And it's not a whole lot different than Donald Trump in the sense of, hey, do you like the person? and do you if you do do you care at all about any comments or commentary or you know uh, mannerisms so on and so forth that that person has become uh, at least in in inside uh, the news media cycle known for so it's going to be really interesting stuff, and I wonder if any of this even matters to you that's 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 what really is unclear at this point to me you know as somebody who observes this stuff from different perspectives i don't know if anyone cares enough to even read a Boston Globe story or listen to a talk radio show or listen to a podcast uh, or, or follow a Twitter thread or, or talk to an informed voter or talk to, to, to somebody who's actually passionate about this stuff uh, on a regular enough basis to really gain an understanding of who these people really are. So that's my takeaway right there. I think Congress comes down to one policy and that's Social Security. I think Governor comes down to personality. Congress, the Congress race is going to come down to policy Governor's race is going to come down to personality. Now, I think that the the McKee campaign, you know, I see posts from people saying, oh, it must be a lot closer in terms of their internal pollings. Hey, look, I think Ashley Kalis is definitely, I don't think she's surging. This is not Helena Folk's part two, where, you know, we saw Helena Folk's crest uh, pretty much at the right time on election day. She won uh, in terms of, uh, not won, but she got the most votes on election day proper. McKee was able to defeat her handily in terms of mail ballots. But look, the reality is I think Ashley Kalis is building some momentum, and I think that there's a a, a significant amount of people that are um, that are ready for some kind of change, even if they don't understand what that change is. And they don't really care whether or not Ashley Kalis sent crude text messages to a contractor. And I think most of the people who do care about that uh, are probably not undecided voters. So I wonder if, I wonder what your thoughts on that. Again, bill at ripodcast.com at Bill Bartholomew uh, lots of content up that I posted some stuff um, over the last couple of weeks some analysis some some looks at the uh, referendum question uh, questions two of them question one and three uh, so that's all there for you here on B-Town I'm going to have a lot more analysis coming your way as well over the next uh, several days as we approach election day in Rhode Island I'll be on air by the way on WPRO on election day um, as the returns come in we'll probably go live I don't know like 840 something like that um, you know, right there on the radio and, and, and I'll of course be on social media and whatnot and we'll have um, the returns as they come in but hey that's my takeaway right now Congress comes down to policy Governor it's going to come down to personality does any needle move does anything change in the next couple of days as we head into the home stretch or have people cemented their positions already and, uh, and irrelevant of any opposition research or, or negative news stories that come out about any candidate Uh, Are they going to make a decision that differs today than it would have yesterday or that it would on Sunday night or that it will on Tuesday? I I don't think there will be a whole lot of movement. We just don't really know a true scope of what the electorate actually thinks until Election Day. Polling, as Joe Fleming, the best pollster in the state of Rhode Island, will always tell you, is a snapshot in time. It's a moment. It's a small group of people. It's a snapshot. So we can't really entirely rely on that. Hey, see the New York Times, 2016. You know, I remember waking up on election day in 2016, looking at the New York Times, and they had something like 98% likely Hillary Clinton was going to win the presidency, 98%. Guess what happened? You guys know what happened. Everybody knows what happened. So, hey, who knows how this is going to play out. Um, stay tuned for much, much more content. And as always, thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Hey, everybody, you've been hearing me talk about the University of Rhode Island's online cannabis certificate program. And well, with the increasing legalization of cannabis across the country, including recently here in Rhode Island, the cannabis industry is growing at a rapidly accelerating pace. If you are already in the industry or wondering what is the best path to break into the cannabis field, well, the University of Rhode Island has that program to help educate you in the evolving space. Fully accredited by URI's College of Pharmacy, the online certificate program covers topics related to product development, chemical analysis and testing, and patient and customer therapeutics. The next application deadline is for the Spring 2023 session, and it's coming up on November 29th, and courses start on January 10th. Join them at two upcoming info sessions and learn more at uri.edu slash online slash cannabis, or give them a call at 401 874 5280.